come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The podcast from outer space. And welcome back to the podcast from outer space. It's your boy, Rob Scott. We got Billy the Kid, a.k.a. the Korean Cowboy in the studio. Yeehaw, what's going on, boys? And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Aloha, everybody. And welcome, Loyal Legion. This is episode 110, where we'll be discussing Bloody Mary. Yes, it has. It's been a while, guys. I'm going to say that. And uh, so welcome back. Now, next. Now. Happy holidays, perhaps. Yes, perhaps. Uh, You know, we missed Thanksgiving. Um, Yeah, I I didn't miss it. Well, we did. We were supposed to drop this episode much earlier. I was in Fiji, honeymooning in Fiji. Uh, tough life. Uh, got sick. We, Lucky we both got sick. Uh, Rob and I got something sinister out here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but anyways, we are back this week and we are getting into, as Rob said, Bloody Mary. Now, this topic, uh, basically, guys, since our Crowley episode, our Halloween special, I've been getting back into magic with a K. Uh, you know, I've been looking up some ritual shit, uh, tarot cards, crystals, uh, cakes of light, you know, that type of shit. Cakes I mean, of light? Yeah, dude. I was trying to get, well, we trying won't get into the cake. cakes. Yeah, I was trying to get get some of those cakes going that Crowley ate. Um, <laughs> no, please, not those cakes. Eating some period blood? Uh, yeah, I tried to get Lexi, but she was not on board. Um also, well, when you guys have a kid, you can eat the placenta. <laughs> yeah. Now, also, though, guys, this holiday season, I have been watching a ton of Harry Potter. Uh, we just watched all seven movies, dude. I had never seen those films before. I am a massive Harold Potter fan. That's considered magic with a K? That is, dude. That is ritual magic, as we'll see. Because uh, Harry Potter does come up in this episode. Uh, but basically, you know, I just stumbled across this through some of my perusings on that. I thought the history was pretty brutal. Uh, so I started putting together a little episode, uh, you know, and and as I said, this is more in the realm of like spooky uh, and and we will give you a ritual to try at home, but do not try it at home. This is fair warning uh, <laughs> <laughs> to try at home, but don't try it. I'm just saying, try it. How about this? Try at your own risk. How about that? Okay. Um, now also I found this great book on like, uh, I guess just like rituals, folklore in general, which is basically where this whole episode comes from. It's called Lucifer Ascending colon the occult in folklore and pop culture by Bill Ellis. Great book. Check it out. If, if yeah, if you can. Now in this episode, we are going to get into the legend itself dive into a history on how this became what we know it as today, and of course, look at some possible real-life influences that sparked this whole thing. Now, the legend at hand, Bloody Mary, you know, it's a legend of a ghost, a phantom, a spirit uh, said to appear in a mirror when her name is chanted repeatedly. Now, some legends hold that she is conjured to reveal the future. Depending on the variation of the legend, she is either benign or malevolent. Uh, and her appearance is mostly common, is most commonly witnessed in group participation, yet other tales have her only being visible to a male who is about to die. So this is like a Snow White type situation we got. Magic mirror on the wall? Yeah. Yeah. Now, 
right up top. I mean, have you guys ever played? Do you remember this from your childhood? What was the legend you heard? Do we have any creepy childhood tales? Uh, yeah. So I remember hearing about this when I was a kid. Um, you know, mostly just kids in a bathroom saying Bloody Mary three times or something like that, and then like flushing the toilet a certain number of times, and then oh, she would appear. Kids in a like, bathroom. Well, that's what it is. Wait, so yours had a toilet flushing three times? Huh. I think so, yeah. It was like, I mean, honestly, this is, I was very excited to do this episode because, like, this topic has always kind of freaked me out ever since I was a kid. Now, did you, so did you do the ritual? Did you flush the toilet? Did you see the ghost? What, What do we got? I think only a couple times I was, like, hanging out with my friends and we talked about it, but I don't think we had the balls to actually go through with it. Okay, so maybe so, you only flushed twice. <laughs> I don't even think we <laughs> went. It. Like I, I don't even know to be quite right. honest with you. <clears throat> so you didn't even flush. I didn't flush. I just <laughs> yeah. I right. right, Rob left it in the toilet. What do we got from you? Because I want to see how our childhood tales differ. Because I have a pretty um, vivid memory of this. But what, what what do you got as the older brother? Uh. So basically, I heard. I'm pretty sure I heard it at school. Brought mm-hmm. brought what I heard at school home. Told Ryan, trying to freak him out, trying to because like, as the older brother, I would always try to scare me, try to scare Ryan, Bully me, or lock like, me in the closet, That's or like sure. get him to like try out shit first to make sure it's okay. Yes, he's the test test dummy, you know. Uh huh. So of course I, you're the older brother. <laughs> I tell I tell the legend to him. He goes in the bathroom to do it, and I'm pretty sure it was around Halloween time, and we used to have these, like, witch hands that we would put, because we used to, like, go, like, crazy on Halloween with decorating, like, fake tombstones, like, zombies, mummies, like, all this stuff in the yard, but we had these witch hands that we had, like, coming out of this one grave, and I'm pretty sure what I did is... Had him do it in the mirror, but I hid in the bathtub and like stuck the hands out of the bathtub as he was saying it to like fuck with him. That's what I remember. Which, okay, yes, that does match up because, all right, here's the legend I heard um, from Rob. I'm pretty sure it was that you prick your finger with a, a thorn from a rose. This is very important. It has to be from the thorn of a rose. You prick your finger like so that a drop of blood comes out and you have to close your eyes and say her name three times and then you open them and she appears in the mirror. And may, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was it that you had to like spin around as well? Yeah, like, I think you spin around and when you come back around, okay, okay. to see her. Okay, so that I think was a legend that I was told. But see... I remember it differently. I mean, maybe you hid in the bathtub and and stuck the hands out, scared the fuck out of me. I remember, <laughs> I remember doing it and running to the like our bathroom is set up like it's it's the bathroom up here. Then there's a long hallway and then there's like a little like three stair down to the room over the garage at our parents' house. And I remember doing it in that upstairs bathroom and then like being terrified and running down those stairs and like looking down the hall to see if she would come out of the bathroom. And that's where I saw the hand reach out. But I remember being with Rob and the hand reached out. So what the fuck was that? 
That's just probably my memory. There, wait, there was an actual hand? It was these go these witch hands he was talking about or something or other. Like a fucking law like a Voldemort hand or some shit. That's creepy. Yeah. See, that's creepy. why I never really like fucked with this whole thing cuz it was just it just freaked me out. So you were scared. Yeah. And I mean this as we just got into, I mean this was pure playground folklore. Like, do you guys remember? Like, this is shit you heard on the playground, dude. You remember recess as a kid? You would like play games or like tell stories. I remember. I think this was playground folklore. Like, do you remember any other like tales or legends from the playground? Mm. Honestly, like Bloody Mary was probably number one for me in regards to like childhood, like horror stories or rituals yeah okay okay. yeah from like a young age that's the only one that really sticks out to me all right i also do remember um i know obviously like later probably in like high school era is when you hear all the like local legends like fucking elbow road and all that stuff yeah which we can get into that too like uh there's all every town has a creepy like haunted place blair or not blair witch uh (laughs) witch upongo yeah uh yeah, creepy like oh, yeah. haunted houses like that. Um Okay, so I also remember this is again going back to childhood. Do you guys remember the Rugrats episode, The Mirror World, where it's like a stand up mirror and Angelica pushes Tommy into the mirror and he like flips and thinks he's in mirror world and everything's like backwards? I used to love Rug- Rugrats, but I do not remember that episode. <laughs> Check that episode out, dude. Creepy episode. Um, mirrors, I think, are just creepy in general, right? Isn't there a horror movie <laughs> called the, called that? Mirrors? Um, mirrors. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Mirror, where you see Ren Stevens' uh, tits. That's Mirrors, too. Oh, yeah. That's the second one. Oh, yeah. Mirrors. And, so uh, specific. Um, okay, so yeah, playground folklore, creepy stuff. Now, well, I, I met her one time and she talked to me about it. So <laughs> okay, so let's get into a fucking history um, on the myth itself, the tale, the legend, whatever you want. Now, this is like I'm thinking 1600s, maybe earlier. Uh, so what is that? 17th century. Sounds yep. right. Okay. So there's essentially like there's a ton of collections of folklore from England and the United States uh, that contain these various rites practiced by specifically young women uh, speculating about their future husbands. Now, we got to remember, as we always say, you got to look at this stuff through the lens of that time. So 17th century, you know, this is a time when a young woman's future depended pretty heavily on who she married. Uh, So, of course, you know, you're a young woman at this time. If you can get a glimpse of this man's identity, you're going to want to do that. You know, I mean, the patriarchy is at an all time high, guys. (laughs) (laughs) you know. Um, Now, some of these rites appear to have strong connections uh, with even earlier pagan religions. Uh, Now, one of these rites was waking up before dawn on the 1st of May. Uh, Now, the 1st of May, that's an old pagan holiday of Beltane or Wolpern, Wolpergisnacht. Wolpergsnacht. Uh, this is like May celebrations, kind of like Easter, um, but, you know, more pagan than that. So, so you wake up on the 1st of May, you go to a spring, 
you break an egg into a cup and upon gazing into the cup, your husband's face or some token of his identity is said to appear. Who comes up with this shit? Pagans, dude. Uh, but again, this is like early form of like ritual uh, magic, dude. Like, because you know how Wicca is all based on like pagan shit and they're doing fucking rituals, you know, or even like the Crowley shit. It's like that type of like ritual um, magic. Well, I mean, a lot of pagan stuff carries over into Christian. Exactly. Holidays. That's what I'm saying. That's where That's we, get we got the, Christmas trees. Yeah. Christmas trees, Easter, Halloween, uh, Sam Hain, like all that shit. Well, I don't know if Halloween's really a Christian holiday. No, what? it's definitely not. All Hallows Eve, that comes from paganism. Yeah, but people that are like super religious like hate that holiday. You remember when we used yeah, to they, try and get do, Joseph um, to go trick-or-treating with us and his mom was like, we yeah, don't celebrate this. I do, but it's still a like... I was like, God damn, If you right? look at like the harvest or whatever from paganism, that molded into the Christian world is what became Halloween. You okay. know? Exactly. Well, they call it like harvest celebration or harvest day like christians that don't celebrate halloween yeah but they do a lot of the same things like they eat candy and they dress up and stuff but they just i mean it's basically the same thing they just don't involve like scary horror yeah and call it exactly yeah now so a similar tradition was also allegedly practiced by the girls at the center of the salem witch trials um and increase mather you remember that dickhead Yes. Um, so in, in 1684, he had warned against this ritual saying, quote, The foolish sorcery of those women that put the white of an egg into a glass of water so that they may be able to divine of what occupation their future husband shall be. So, so he's warning against this shit. He's saying, you know, this is fucking witchery. This is tomfoolery. Um, he's trying to burn him at the stake. Yeah. Well... He was hanging. He was hanging him, dude. Jeez. Um, now, essentially, so essentially, like these types of husband rituals were like the seeds of the Bloody Mary tree, if we're going metaphorically. You got like, uh, think about it. You got a few variations of these that are practiced and passed down. And over the years and decades, they sort of morph and change and different rituals pop up here and there. Bada bing, bada boom, you get to Bloody Mary. This is like what we were just saying, like. These early pagan things, when they're folded into Christianity, kind of become something else. So th- this ritual is no different. Now, one of these divination rituals encouraged young women to walk up a flight of stairs backwards, holding a candle and a hand mirror in a darkened house. And as they gazed into the mirror, they were supposed to be able to catch a glimpse of their future husband's face. That sounds dangerous. Yeah, that also in itself is scary as fuck. That's almost like, that's like, uh, it reminds me of that scene in, uh, I think it's like one of the Conjuring films with the music box with the mirror and she sees the shit behind her. Oh, yeah. No, that that was, no, that was was really, really freaky. Dude, like imagine you're a young woman in the fucking 16, 1700s, you walk up a flight of stairs backwards with a candle holding a hand mirror and you see a, like a face in it that's fucking terrifying right yeah yeah okay so so the, that's like uh um, your husband though. yeah you got these husband defi- divining rituals so those kind of morph and change over time um now then we get to these like early postcard rituals now 
There were many different versions of these husband divining rituals, many of which survived well into the 20th century. Uh, a number of these were illustrated on postcards in the early 1900s. Uh, and they became fairly popular as seasonal greeting cards around 1910. Um, so, you know, these are little like Halloween postcards. Now, one was captioned, quote, a joyous Halloween. And it depicts a young woman walking backwards down a set of stairs into a cellar. And the steps are lined with harvested fruit and vegetables. And a close look at the mirror shows the face of a young boy. I thought you go up the stairs. Well, again, as I'm saying, these things change over time. Mm, you know, they like become telephone. Yeah. Now, another postcard explained the ritual, and it was accompanied with this rhyme, saying, quote, Let this design on you prevail. To try this trick, it cannot fail. Back down the stairs with candle dim, and in the mirror, you will see him. Now, this card shows a cheerful young man peeking around the bend of the stairs, appearing in the girl's mirror. Now, there's another postcard. Uh, they got a ton of these, dude. So I'm finding these. I pulled a few examples here. I'll post these on the Instagram. Uh, now, another one featured a mirror uh, that shows a girl holding a candle to like a wall mirror uh, where she sees both her reflection and that of a young man standing behind her. And the caption reads, quote, by the candlelight, he may be seen at 12 o'clock on Halloween. Now, other images make the ritual seem more ominous and actually allude to the idea of witchcraft. Um, one of them reads, quote, On Halloween, look in the glass. Your future husband's face will pass. <laughs> so... This one shows a girl holding a candle to a full-length mirror, and you see both her reflection, the guy standing behind her, and there's also a shadow to the left of her in the form of like a classic stereotypical witch. You got the pointed hat, the broom, uh, suggesting that the act of seeing the image in the mirror is witchcraft. Um, now, there's another another postcard I found which actually says which you know it has like a hand mirror a girl's blindfolded it says on halloween by pumpkin's light this witch will help you choose a right um so it's actually using the term witch now keeping with the theme of the whole like future husband aspect another popular ritual from this time period which started around the same time i'm um, guessing back in like the 1600s uh, maybe later uh, was known as the Dumb Supper. Uh, now, this is, now, this and this dumb is referring to silent or mute. Um, so, like a brief overview of the Dumb Supper. Uh, dumb Supper typically was held by young women. However, sometimes men attended. Uh, so, this was said you like find an isolated place free of disturbances, like an abandoned house, or maybe like, hey, parents aren't home. This weekend, we're going to have a little uh, dumb supper ritual. Now, as we said, dumb means mute because for this to work, you have to remain silent the entire time. Any peep and the spell was broken. So essentially, you prepare a supper backwards in every aspect. Uh, you know, the tables would be set wrong. Uh, the chairs are turned backwards. You serve dessert first. Uh, sometimes that you could even be naked while doing this. Um, 
Now, when everything was prepared exactly right at midnight, the spirits of the husbands-to-be would walk through the door and sometimes arrive in person or appear in the reflection of like a dark window. Um, now, whoever sat next to the girl was uh, supposed to be the future husband. Um, but if a coffin appeared at midnight, that meant that one of the young women wouldn't marry at all or would soon be dead. Jesus. Yeah. Now, in England and Scotland, uh, England and Scotland, young women's women focused on baking special dumb cakes so this would be like uh Maybe you could find yourself some of those yeah this would be like if the cake was was normally prepared with flour you do it with uh cornmeal or some of them said they would even like instead of using water they would put their own urine in the cake uh which is disgusting um but in america they emphasize the whole backward meal meal and like settings um, so again, you know, there's a ton of different versions of how to do this ritual, but that's like the main gist of the dumb supper. Now, what are we thinking about this whole dumb supper? I mean, that sounds kind of fucking creepy, right? Sounds pretty creepy. I mean, I've never even heard about it until reading for this podcast, but. Okay. And if you were a young woman at this time, do you think this is something you might try to catch the f- the future husband? Sounds pretty dumb. Okay, so you're saying it's stupid. You would never do this. I mean, I personally probably wouldn't. It'd be interesting to, if anyone has like uh, any documentation on it. It'd be interesting to see how that worked out. Oh, well, 1600. So, you know, maybe ask your uh, great grandmother if they're still alive. No, I'm saying like if anyone has like documentation of it, like still going on. Oh, I don't, yeah. To see so, if anything actually happens or if it's just like some fucking like tall tale. So there you go. Young women listeners, try the dumb supper. Let us know what you find. <laughs> Let us know what happens. <laughs> like the one thing that really confuses me about it is it says if a coffin appeared at midnight, that meant that one of the young women wouldn't marry at all. Like, what do you mean a coffin appear? Like, it, does it just appear in the middle of the room? I so that's again. I don't. I mean, uh, so there's a ton of these. Like, some said you were to sit in in front of like the window. Like, you know how your setup is right now. So if you stare yeah. into that window after doing this supper, it'll like appear next to you. Like, same with these mirror postcards we saw. Like, you'll either see your husband, but if you were gonna die or weren't gonna marry, you'd see a coffin. Um, or I guess, yeah, because some of them were saying that, that like an apparition of the future husband would straight up walk into the room. Maybe like a coffin would just straight up come into the room. Just comes walking in the room. Yeah. A coffin with legs. Yeah. A coffin with legs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, now by the time that, uh, British and American folklorists began documenting the dumb supper, uh, it was already in a steady decline. And by the 1950s, the ritual had pretty much died out altogether. Now, in the book I had mentioned, like the reasons he he kind of says this died out in the 50s was that. Uh, I guess by that time, you got to think like gender roles were kind of changing, you know, women were becoming like more in charge of their own destinies. They are going to work. It's not like a husband was super as important as back in the fucking 1600s, you know? Um, And also I was thinking this is a fucking complex ritual. 
Like you got to have an empty house. You got to bake a whole fucking backwards supper just to be able to catch a glimpse of this dude. That's way too complex. You and know? you can't talk the whole time. Yeah. And if you even utter a sound, the ritual's broken. I think that's, again, like you see these rituals evolving over time. Like the postcard shit is way more simple than this. You just fucking walk backwards up some stairs and look in the mirror, you know? Anybody yeah, can do that. Yeah, this is like a whole production. <laughs> yeah, this is fucking complex. But as we said, you know, anybody out there willing to try the dumb supper, give it a fucking whirl. Let us know what happens. Um, now, despite the whole like husband divining rituals losing their luster over the years, uh, the impulse for young women to stir up excitement through the supernatural continued. Um, I mean, you know, it's like we said, playground folklore. You know how these kids are. Like, what are the young kids doing these days? They're fucking dancing on TikTok. Um, kids are always <laughs> always doing wacky shit, you know? Dancing on TikTok. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, I guess that's true, though. There's got to be some rituals that kids are doing these days, you know? Like, you know, remember when we were kids? Um, oh, here's another. This maybe isn't playground, but you remember that shit on uh, MySpace that would be like, share this or you'll have bad luck for three years. That still oh, happens. Yeah. yeah, that happens on Instagram yeah, it's, too. It's, it's like, still out there. Yeah, that like kids are always cooking up these fucking wacky rituals and shit. Um, and so once more, you got these these husband divining rituals. They're evolving over time. You know, you have bits and pieces from these early rituals remaining, and they continue to evolve. Now, the most widespread of these rites um, that like continued to be practiced was um, the calling of the witch in the mirror. Now, the core of this tradition is practice is the practice of repeating a name or sometimes a statement of belief or disbelief in front of a mirror in a dark room to make the form of a mysterious entity appear to you. Um, so this ritual became most popular in the United States and most of Europe beginning in the mid-1960s. Uh, now, in Sweden, the apparition is known as Black Madame. Uh, and in other parts of the world, the name varies, but most common iterations are Mary Wales, Mary Ruth, Mary Weather, Mary Worth, and perhaps the most well-known, at least here in the United States, Bloody Mary. Uh, and here's the fucking kicker, guys. So, you know, whatever you want to call this, like Black Madame... Uh, Mary Ruth, Mary Worth, Bloody Mary. Nobody really knows where the whole Bloody Mary thing came from. Uh, as we just saw, there's forms of different divinations and rituals uh, based on looking at reflections in mirror, and they go back to the 1600s. But the idea of like Bloody Mary uh, being added to the whole lore and myth seems to have like pretty much come out of nowhere in the late 1960s. Which is crazy to me because you think like, and I know I've mentioned this in past episodes, it's like a Bradshaw Ranch or something or even like Skinwalker Ranch when that one family moved there in like the 90s and then all all of a sudden all this paranormal stuff started happening. Right. Allegedly. So that's one thing where I'm like, yeah, and like, oh wait, did Bloody Mary just start appearing to people just happen to be in the 1960s? Well, but see, that's what's weird is that like, even with Bradshaw Ranch, like you can point back to, like you said, that one specific family. You can be like, okay, here's where the ranch started to get weird. Like nobody really knows where, like usually uh, in that book, uh, Lucifer Ascending, 
Um, like the guy says, you can usually with like a lot of these rituals, um, you can point to like one specific time period or like one specific event of where the ritual came from. But with Bloody Mary, it's like, it's kind of just like a blur. Like nobody, like we only know mid 1960s. We don't know any idea of like where the fuck this came from. Um, I see what you're saying. That that yeah. that's a little weirder because you can you can point back to a specific family for Bradshaw Ranch, like right. you said, and but even for this, even like, um, Skinwalker Ranch. You know, yeah. Even when we got into yeah, Skinwalker Ranch, like um, it didn't start happening till the fucking um, what were they? What was the gentleman's name? Which gentleman? Oh, um, Sherman, uh, Terry Sherman, or whatever. Like it wasn't until he moved in that weird shit happened at that specific ranch. Um, now, like some of these other supernatural rituals we've heard about, this one usually involves a little mood setting, um, in which participants tell the history of how the witch died. Um, so this is a version from the mid nineteen sixties in Indiana. Uh, which gives like a typical version. A long time ago, there lived an incredibly ugly woman named Mary Worth. Uh, Some say that she was born that way. Others say that she was in a bad accident when she was young. Uh, Whichever it was, her face was horribly marred. And one day, as she looked into a mirror, she she could stand her ugliness no more. In a fit of rage and insanity, she put a curse upon the mirror and shattered it, fatally cutting herself in the process. From that time on, if anyone stares straight into a mirror when the room is completely dark, concentrates, and says, Mary Worth, Mary Worth, come to me, come to me, she will appear. She will come as a distant shadowy figure at first that gets more distinct as she comes closer. If you continue to watch and look upon her completely, she will shatter the mirror, trying to mar your face as hers was. I've heard, yeah, I've heard that before. Okay, so you heard this tale as a kid or what? Yeah, I mean, um, maybe not specifically Mary Worth, but I do remember saying a name in the mirror in the dark and this, she appears and tries to... What I remember is she tries to scratch your face. Okay, yeah, that's, uh, again, that's, like, what I guess we see is, like, I don't know. It's, like I said, playground folklore. You just kind of fucking hear this shit as as kids, and as uh, like Rob was saying, it's, like, telephone. As it gets passed down and passed on, bits and pieces get added or taken away. So, so that makes sense. Um, now, you know explanations of just who she was and why she haunts mirrors changes from story to story. Uh, But in some cases she is associated with other widely known female ghosts like the lady in white. Are you guys familiar with the lady in white similar to the old like hitchhiker tale? Yeah. So that's kind of like what Rob said when we were growing up elbow road uh, in Virginia beach was popular. It was like, what was the legend there? It was like this lady drowned with her baby and you could see her footsteps on a rainy night or she was hitchhiking and you shouldn't pick her up, right? Was that the tale? Yeah, I think someone, a, a kid drowned in the was, lake I think or it, something. Yeah, I heard it as a girl drowned in the lake and then she'll like appear on the side of the road. Hitchhiking or yeah. or just like don't stop if you see her or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I also heard that like 
sometimes people's cars have broken down and then when you try to like when you get out to like try to figure out what's going on the drowned ghost girl just like will be you'll like hear her like walking around your car and she'll you'll see like handprints on it and shit yeah that's the same out here in san diego uh proctor valley road there's like legends of this beast monster but there's also legends of like the lady in white who's hitchhiking and some say if you pick her up you're fucked other legends say if you don't stop, your car is going to like crash or break down or some shit. Or like if you don't stop to pick her up when she's hitchhiking, she'll just appear in the back of your car and oh, make yeah. your car Classic. like crash. Yep. Now, here we go. So this is also associated with like the Bloody Mary uh, folklore in one version from an Indianapolis Catholic school for African-American children. The entity is said to have been a girl run over by a truck on her way to a party. Now, she appears as a hitchhiker trying to get home, but if picked up, she vanishes from the back seat, leaving only a wet spot. Now, Rob, you've had plenty of girls you picked up leave a wet spot in your car. Am I right? <laughs> 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 this is a classic legend, you know? Uh, they just um, vanish and that's all that's left. They just fucking vanish, dude. Only a wet spot in the seat. Um, so, no. Now, now go back to the whole Bloody Mary stuff. Uh, again, I pulled, like, in this book, he has a bunch of tales from, like, the early 60s, 70s. Now, according to one tale that circulated in 1972 at Moorhead State University in Moorhead, Kentucky... A group of local girls became involved in black magic. Now, in one of their grimoires or spell books, it said that if you were to sit in a mirror in a totally sit in front of a mirror in a totally dark room, um, you could conjure up evil an evil spirit. Um, so, a volunteer was tied to a chair in front of a full-length mirror, while the others put towels around all the doors and windows to block out any light, and waited outside of the door. Now, they didn't lock the door in case the girl had any sort of trouble or, or something happened so they could go in. Um, so they stood outside for a while, and after a half an hour or so, the girl started screaming. Now, when the girls tried to get in, the door had been locked from the inside. So they ran down and got a key from the uh, dorm mother at the school, and they came up, opened the door, and upon entering, the girl's face was torn to shreds, and she was still tied to the chair. The window was still locked, and one of the girls that went in to see what the problem was went insane. And the girl whose face had been scratched scratched up and was tied to the chair, she died. Now, there's a... There's a this, what's up? Is this like a proven thing? So this is, is again, like, just a fucking, it's just a documented story. Like this was just a story that went around at that university in the seventies. I mean, who knows oh, okay. if it's true or not? This is again, this is a fucking tale, dude. Um, right. Now there's also, but there's a number of firsthand descriptions of successful rituals similar to this that have been recorded a version from UC Berkeley folklore Archive adds the detail that if the ritual perf is performed, uh, Bloody Mary's mark would appear later on in the day through bleeding. Um, so one description told of like a girl did the ritual as a fifth grader, and she recalled that during the following recess, she jammed one of her fingers playing and it started bleeding. 
Uh, all of the girls who had done the Bloody Mary ritual with her attributed this to Bloody Mary. Um, so basically, it's like you have these types, these different types of like origin stories. And from these, they develop like add on secondhand stories, cautioning that others have been killed or injured doing these rituals. Um, now, some say, as we were just saying, Billy, uh, the witch will leave a physical sign of her reality, um, such as scratching a girl's face. Uh, one account call tells uh, one account tells of one girl tried it and was found by her mother in a state of shock in a pile of shattered mirror glass with cuts all over her face. Now, more elaborate stories say that the ritual could end in insanity or even death. Um, and this is, again, back to the whole, like, playground folklore. Do you guys remember the the whole, like, uh, you guys remember those, like, anti-drug stories that would go around in school, like, in high school? Like, I remember one specifically was, like, a LSD story and it was always like a friend of a friend. Like it was the story would be told and it was like a a guy I know, his friend did LSD mixed with like a horse tranquilizer and he thought that he was a glass of orange juice. And if he laid down, he would spill. So he's just like in an insanity ward, like strapped to a fucking Gertie standing straight up. And that's just how he is now. Did you guys ever like hear stories like that? I never heard that story. <laughs> dude, that winter. No, I never heard dude, that. Dude, I yeah. heard that at Kellum High School. It was like a friend of a friend who did LSD mixed with fucking horse tranquilizer and thought he was a fucking glass of orange juice. I think there's another one that was like um, the kid did some type of fucking drug, some type of hallucinogen and thought he was an orange and he would like peel his skin off. Do you ever? You guys never heard oh, anything I've, like that. What's with the no, orange? I've, I've heard about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know where the, the orange comes in. This could be a whole. Why nother, not like an apple? Yeah, this could be a whole nother myth in the making, dude. We got these orange tales, dude. Tales of the orange. Um, no, but yeah, you heard shit like that, right? I mean, you guys were straight edge in high school. You had to have heard anti drug shit. Yeah, I did hear something about like someone thinking they were like a fruit, like peeling their skin back or something. Yeah, these this is classic. That does ring a bell. That's classic playground folklore, dude. That's like, uh, you know, it's like these stories that were developed to get to get kids as scared of doing drugs. You know. Um, now back to the whole Bloody Mary thing. So we looked at a couple of these like early tales. Honestly, uh, like I said, nobody knows where Bloody Mary specifically comes from. Um, but there is some debate on the identification of Bloody Mary. Um. And if she is, in fact, based on a real woman. Now, there's a few historical figures which serve as candidates for Mary, including, but not limited to, these were like the top, the main three. Um, and this is honestly kind of why I started diving more into this tale, because, again, like this was something we all grew up with. And I wanted to see, like, is there any real basis for this? You know, is there was it perhaps a real woman? Um, now, one of the candidates is Elizabeth Bathory. Uh, now, we've talked about her before. Um, she was a 17th century Hungarian countess who allegedly tortured and killed around 650 girls and women and would bathe in their blood and was also accused of vampirism. Check out our vampire episode number uh, 83 if you're interested in that. Yeah, we honestly go way more into depth on her there. And this one, I think for Bloody Mary, this one is kind of a stretch because it's like 
even like her numbers or whatever of like killing 650 is kind of inflated. Like some say that it was just the men in the town trying to like accuse her of this shit so they could kill her uh, because she was like a powerful fucking person woman. back then. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful woman in that town. They were like, all right, we can't have this going around. She's fucking murdering these people. Uh, you know, maybe she did fucking kill like a couple but I don't know. It's 650. Everything I found in the, when we talk about it in the vampire episode seems to be a stretch. But it's also like, yeah, she's associated with blood. She would bathe in blood. They said she was a vampire, but her name isn't even Mary. So what the fuck is that? Like, where does this, where does that come from as her being Bloody Mary, you know? Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Although I will say the picture of her, like, if you Google a picture of Elizabeth Bathory, she looks pretty fucking creepy. So maybe it's just like they they were like, yeah, that's fucking old Bloody Mary. Is Mary short for Elizabeth? No. <laughs> no. Liz. <laughs> so that would be, be Liz. Bloody, bloody Lizzie. <laughs> All right. So next one we got, uh, the next possible real person is uh, Mary First of England. Uh, now this one, now you guys familiar, right? Uh, 1553 to 1558, daughter of Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon. Um, now, Mary one, Mary the first. What would you call her, Mary? Just the original Mary. The Mary. First. Yeah, just the original Mary. She had around three hundred religious dissenters burned at the stake during her five-year reign, and this earned her the nickname Bloody Mary by her opponents. Uh, now, this for me is getting more into the realm of plausibility because at least this could be like the origin of the name. I mean, if this is back in the 1500s, people are calling her Bloody Mary and the tale just kind of like developed from there. Or at least that's where the name comes from, because that's a fucking cool name. Well, that's literally what they called her. That's what I'm saying. So this could possibly be where the name comes from, Mm. you know, but I don't know about the whole like. See, I always got it mixed up. I always thought they called her that because she was the one that was bathing in the blood. Oh, no. See, that's Elizabeth Bathory. She was just killing everyone. Well, she just had uh, these religious people burned at the stake. Because wasn't she trying to get, like, she was Catholic, right? She was trying to stop the English Reformation. I thought she was trying to, like, bring Catholicism back to, like, power in England. Yeah, she didn't want want them, like, breaking away from the church. Because that's what they were starting to do at that time. Because I think that, yeah, like it says, she was there in, like, the mid- 1500s so it was like right around the time when they were like and the whole reformation yeah. thing okay fuck this church okay we're starting our it's, own church yeah it's gonna do just as fucked up things it's, yeah i don't i don't i don't know the history um of it to that extent that's pretty crazy okay. rob you're a historian dude actually i think you are billy didn't you major in history at one point Mm, I, I started to, and then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this degree, so I switched it. All right, now next, no offense to any history majors out there. but Now, next up, we got uh, Mary Worth. Um, and this one, again, this was like why I started looking into this, because this tale is fucking crazy, and it's basically not even 100% proven that this woman actually existed. And if you Google Mary Worth, it was like a popular like uh, newspaper comic strip called like Mary Worth. But it, I don't think it has anything to do with like the the mirror ritual or the Mary Worth of these legends. Um, but legend has it that Mary Worth was either a 
A woman who killed slaves escaping the American South via the reverse underground railroad. Basically, like she acted she acted as if she was helping them get to freedom and then bada bing, she's fucking killing these these uh escaped slaves. So that's fucked up. <laughs> uh, and so it's either it's either she was that or B she was a woman who was burned at the stake during the witch trials in the early modern period. Uh and again, this is like in the time of Salem witch trials uh and even earlier in in England this saw around 40,000 to 60,000 people killed due to suspicion that they were suspicion that they were practicing witchcraft between 1400 and 1782. Well, I'm not sure if you're going to get to this later in the outline, but you remember the fucking God damn, I can't think of her name right now. The lady the lady that it, they based that American horror story coven on though. Oh, that like La La Lorie or La La Redan or something Madame like that. Madame La yeah. Lorie. <laughs> yeah, the the lady in uh um, It sounds like that lady. In New Orleans who would like torture. Yeah, so uh, like the black slaves. madame, you think that could be some relation to her? Well that's Sweden, so I d I don't think that, that... No, the that lady was in fucking New Orleans. Yeah, I know, but Black Madame is like what they call oh. Bloody Mary in Sweden. I don't know where that comes oh. from. I didn't look into that history, but but that, I did. That lady was bathing in blood and killing people. I don't think she was bathing in blood. I think she was just torturing. That was just slaves. for the show. Yeah, because I was looking into her, but there I couldn't find any connection between her and Bloody Mary. And that lady actually fucking fully escaped. Like when they came in, like they came into her house because some someone escaped and they were like, yo, we want to see where you keep your slaves. And they went up into the top room and she's just like torturing all these fucking slaves. And then this mob like fucking raided her house and burned it down or some shit. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy and pretty fucked up. Yeah. Mary Worth. uh, Wasn't that the same name as like the the Ohio or Indiana, was it Ohio or Indiana? The one that you said earlier? Um, Yeah, let's see. I believe in Mary Worth. Um, Dude, that... this lady's name was Marie. Marie what? La Lorie. La Lorie. Yeah. The, the blood <laughs> ritual was oh, true. Oh, snap. The yeah, blood no. ritual was true. Yeah, Mary Worth was from the Indiana tale in the mid-60s. Okay. Um, that's kind of weird well yeah that's what because that's where i was kind of looking up the real person aspect and you google this name like mary worth um now one of the more interesting again like i said this was one of the more interesting ones because i started googling this stuff i started googling mary worth now i did find a couple tales so this one is from mysterious chicago blog um and this version uh, in this ver like the author wrote this fucking tale that he grew up with. Now he says in this version of the story, um, Mary was the devil's wife or girlfriend. Um, and to summon her, you were supposed to be in a totally dark room, look at a mirror and say bloody Mary 100 times followed by come out with your ax. <laughs> Uh, she, yeah, she, she would then, according to the tale, come out with her axe and cut you. Uh, now, stories as to who Mary Worth were before she occupied the mirror realm vary widely. Uh, some say she was a woman who killed herself when her baby died. 
Uh, and a way to make her appear is to say, I killed your baby in, in the mirror. <laughs> That's like, come on. We're taunting this apparition at that point. Uh, now, in other tales, uh, she killed her own baby. Uh, and more often, the story is that she was a witch who was burned at the stake. Now, variations of this spread in Chicago uh, is that Mary Worth was a 19th century woman who lived just north of the city uh, where she used to torture runaway slaves in her barn. Now, she was killed as a witch and then burned in a Catholic cemetery. Uh, one of the folklorists even claims to have met a woman in the 1960s who was in her 90s who remembered being five or six and witnessing Mary's execution. Uh, and sometimes old bits of chains were said to be occasionally found on her farm. Uh, so again, that's like a creepy fucking local local legend, if you will. You know? Yeah, that's crazy that someone remembered that. Like, <laughs> well, holy I, crap. now we'll get into that a little bit later. Now, again, another version, this was from Terry Reed, Terry Reed blog. Uh, now that is not the actress. I don't think is that's that Tara. that's Tara Reed. Okay, <laughs> this her is her sister Terry. Yeah, this is Terry Reed's blog. Uh, now in this version, she writes uh, there was like a bunch of popular girls she would hang out with, and they told her about a sleepover that they had at one of their homes where all the girls went into the bathroom and turned off the lights and lit a small candle, and they stared into the mirror, and in unison they recited. I believe, I believe in, in Mary, Mary Worth. <laughs> I believe in Mary Worth. I believe in Mary Worth. Now suddenly, an old crone—a crone—is that the right term? Sure. <laughs> suddenly, an old crone appeared to them in the mirror and scratched one of the girls' faces. Now the girl telling the story pulled back her hair and showed the author the scratch. And they warned her that Mary Worth also hangs out in trees. And if a girl stands next to a tree trunk at night and is wearing a necklace with a cross, the spirit of Mary Worth will climb down the tree and strangle her with her own necklace. <laughs> that is fucking metal, dude. That is fucking aw- That is fucking awesome legend, dude. Because not only are you scared, that's not only terrifying little girls of mirrors, you can't even fucking stand under a tree in the summertime. Well, just don't be wearing a cross necklace. And <laughs> yeah. fine. Now, um, so that's another legend. And again, this attributes the real Mary Worth as being from Chicago. And according to Bob Jensen, who is a paranormal investigator, he said that Dilly's Road used to be... Dilly? Yeah, Dilly's Road <laughs> used to be called Old Wagon Road. Uh, now, just this was just north of St. Patrick's Cemetery, and there lived a woman named Mary Worth in the 1860s. Now, back then, uh, many homes uh, like the Mother Rudd House were part of the Underground Railroad. And Mary was part of, as we said, the reverse Underground Railroad. So she would bring in slaves under false pretenses and send them back south to make some money, or she would fucking God, torture them. There damn, was also dude. rumors among the townspeople that Mary would practice the dark arts, torturing and killing slaves for her rituals. Now, for a time, the town turned a blind eye to her evil doings. Uh, but there came a time when they were fed up and Jensen said they lynched her on her own property. 
Mm, so much a punga type shit. Yeah. So again, that's another fucking old timey witch. Uh, now I was also looking into this book. Uh, old crone. Yeah, old crone. Now I was also looking into this book. Uh, Chicago haunts: colon ghost lore of the Windy City. Now in this book, Ursula Belsky. Uh, she wrote, quote, that before President Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation that ended slavery, Mary Worth was a Wadsworth farmer who is said to have nefariously rounded up runaway slaves and have them resold, either to her to their former masters or higher bidders from the South. Her behavior was unconscionable to the locals, and they supposedly formed a mob against her and either lynched her on a tree on her property or burned her in her own home. Now, another variant of the tale says that they drowned her in the nearby devil's pool. The fuck is that? I guess some fucking like uh, quarry or some fucking old pond in this in this town. Want to go check that out in Chicago? Yeah. Now she was burned either outside of the entrance to Old St. Patrick's, Cem- or she was buried either outside the entrance to Old St. Patrick's Cemetery. Uh, or underneath a lone boulder that mysteriously stands on the surviving farm across from Mill Creek Road. Uh, so again, you know, this seems like some type of fucking myth developed around this old fucking old timey creepy town. Drown out in the old devil's pool. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's just like Wichapungo. She was drowned, right? No, I thought she, she was hanged. She, she floated. No, so she that, was drowned, dude. I thought that she floated, oh. so they hung her because it's oh, like if you, if, you, if you float, you're a witch. And if, if you, you drown, drown then, they they just oh, fucked up. Sorry, sorry, I guess you weren't a witch. <laughs> yeah, if you oh, drown, you're up. not a witch, but you're still dead. So um, sorry. Yeah, so, so you're either a witch and you're gonna die, or we killed you. And again, that it. seems like just an excuse to like kill an old like annoying woman. Yeah, or just an old, <laughs> an old woman. They well, were this like, lady sounds like a genuine bitch. Well, yeah, again, but who even knows if this was a real fucking person now? So author of the first blog that we read, the Chicago haunts one. Now, he claims to be a Chicago historian who runs ghost tours in Chicago. Uh, Now, he claims that as far as any records indicate, Mary Worth was not a real person. Now, again, back to the whole Remember, you were saying it's crazy that the 90 year old remembered her being burned or whatever. Yeah. He said even a 90-year-old lady, if you do the math, probably not old enough in the 60s to have remembered an execution of a slave catcher. Because, what, slavery was made illegal in 1865? Yeah. So this lady, if she was 90, she would have had to have been born in, like, 1870, 1875. She would have been six. If we're going off those numbers, you know... And eight and uh, would would a fucking like eighteen seventies, a fucking ladies burned or hung in the fucking suburbs of Chicago. You think that wouldn't make the fucking papers? Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Well, and also, well, also, like, didn't it say? Didn't you say earlier that it was before President Lincoln issued the emancipation? Well, that's the legend. So, but if we're going off this this person talked to some lady in her nineties in the sixties that remembered it, she would have had to have been born in eighteen seventy five. The Emancipation Proclamation was eighteen sixty five. So that's ten years after that they exactly. that they caught that, her in hunger. Yeah, I don't know. I mean 
Maybe she saw someone else hang and she got confused. <laughs> I mean, even, I did, yeah. And But also, if you're going off the burning them at the stake, here in America, we don't burn witches at the stake. We hang them or press them with stones or, I guess, drown them because there is not a single record of a witch being burned at the stake in America. That really? was it. That, that was, was all it. European? Yeah, that was European. That was purely European, dude. I'm sure there's got to yeah. be some. No. Look it up, dude. I looked. I looked into it. I couldn't find. I couldn't find a one. Not a one. Not a one witch burned at the stake here in America. Well, people don't really want to document that stuff. Well, they documented the hangings. Okay, <laughs> that is true. In Hocus Pocus, they get hanged. Yeah, but also, yeah, also, if this was like a spectacle. Like, if this lady was there, it was like a town spectacle. Like, hey, we're going to go burn the fucking witch. Like, that definitely would have... There would be some record, right? True. You'd think. Okay. So, there's there's no record of this Mary Worth. Uh, now, also, I was thinking... So, if we're going off, like, other origins of possibly where Bloody Mary came from, I'm thinking the cocktail, guys. You ever sipped a nice Bloody Mary? <laughs> I yeah, hate those. I have. Okay. So, did... When was the cocktail invented? Did the cocktail come from the mirror legend or the other way around? Because I looked up, I did some sleuthing into this. Um, Bloody Mary cocktail invented in the 1920s or 30s. So that's well before the mid 60s, right? Yeah. And also, I was looking more into the cocktail. Also, murky history. The exact history of the drink is not known. It's not known who developed it or where the name come from. came from. At one point, it was called a Red Hammer, which is fucking cool. That's a fucking cool name for a cocktail. Yeah. Give me a Red Hammer. Yeah. I mean, maybe, because don't, don't they make it with tomato? Isn't it like tomato juice? Like It's like spicy. You put... Yeah. spicy shit in well that's it. like well so well one, you can make it spicy well one version i was looking at was like the bartender there was a at the bar it originated i forget where it was but the lady's name was mary and it was called a bucket of blood but then people just shortened it to a bloody mary because she was slanging him oh. Um, oh mary and then other legends say it's named after this actress um mary pickford uh check her out so Mary Pickford, possibly this Hollywood star from fucking back in the day. Maybe she was like drinking them all the time. So they called it a Bloody Mary. <clears throat> but again, I thought that's pretty interesting that the mirror ritual and the drink. Nobody knows where the fucking name came from. Right. They don't want you to know. Pretty creepy, right, guys? It is kind of creepy. Now it it's just weird. exists. Yeah. Now, it seems pretty obvious that the ritual itself relies on a physical reaction to your reflected image in a darkened room. So, if we're going off that, like some possible explanations, it's like you're primed and ready with the creepy background tale to experience like this fucking mirror world, you know, or witness things in like an altered state of mind. It's like we talked about on our skinwalker episode, you know, mindset plays a huge role in your experience. So it's like, if you, if you're with, you're a young kid, you know, you hear this tale from your dickhead older brother who's trying to fucking scare you. You're primed and ready to fucking see some creepy shit, you know, dickhead. Yeah, <laughs> telling me the story, <laughs> playing with playing with the fucking witch hands. 
you know, it's like, baby. Yeah. It's like, it's not necessarily like you're going to see some crazy shit, but it's like your mind is primed and ready. Your fucking mind is powerful, dude. The mind is powerful, right? You're already freaking yourself out basically. Yeah. So the stories in your head, you go into a dark room and stare into a fucking mirror. Of course you're going to see or see some fucking weird shit, you know? It's in your head. Absolutely. Like, you're just going to be freaked out because you're sitting in a dark room chanting the name of a a potential entity that's going to appear to you in a mirror. I mean, that that sounds pretty terrifying. So you're already going in in a mental state, like, where you're just on edge. Right. And, of course, I don't know if you guys have heard, but apparently, um, I, I heard about this a long time ago, but... If you're if it's like complete darkness, you can actually like start to hallucinate and like see like a lot of shit that's not there. Well, yeah, perfect uh perfect segue into my next section because in this explanation it's like so I'm I'm sleuthing around into some like scientific stuff, you know, because I mean, we're with science over here, you know, guys. <laughs> Am I right? With science. Yeah, we're with science. We're dude. with science. So I'm looking into like some scientific explanations. Now, it is like you were saying, Billy, you stare into a mirror in a dimly lit room for a prolonged period of time and you can, in fact, hallucinate. This has been scientifically proven. It's kind of like if you look at a word for too long, it starts looking weird to you, that kind of thing. A word? Yeah, you ever like, well, you probably don't do it, but whenever I've in the past looking for like a cool font to use if i have like this generator where you type in like a word just to see what it'll look like in that font and when you're scrolling through the fonts after like two or three like pages of scrolling the word just starts to look really weird like it looks like it's not even the word that you typed in anymore okay now are you high while doing this no (laughs) well okay try it sometime no yeah no that that actually aligns perfectly with this because i'm looking up so there there's this gentleman by the name of uh giovanni caputo uh now he is at the university of urbino now he he writes he's in the fucking sopranos well he wrote this paper um about this whole phenomenon which he calls the strange face illusion Now, he believes that this is a consequence of disassociative identity effect. Now, that's different than disassociative identity disorder, um, which is like uh, split personality type shit. But this is disassociative identity effect. Now, this causes the brain's facial recognition system to misfire in a currently unidentified way. So, I guess like science psychology whatever you want to like call that to doesn't really have a great understanding of like why this happens but it causes like facial features to seemingly appear to melt distort disappear rotate um, and other hallucinatory elements such as animal or strange faces may appear almost like a self-hypnosis it's like you said you're staring at the same thing for too long starts to look weird well, this sounds like you're tripping on acid. Well, it's not. I don't think it's that fucking crazy. But <laughs> Face it is, is melting, <laughs> disappearing, rotating. It's this can happen. This doesn't like. It's not like you just look in a mirror and this automatically happens. You you're staring in a mirror in a dimly lit room for a prolonged period of time. They did a whole study on this. 
Um, now, other possible explanations for this phenomenon include illusions partially attributed to the perceptual effects of Troxler's fading. Now, have you guys ever looked into this Troxler's fading? Have not. All right, check nope. this out. I got a link here. I'll also put this into the description. Uh, the link has an example. So click, click that link, Billy, and check this out. Stare at this cross right here and tell me if the purple dots disappear. Yeah, but they came back. Yeah. Still pretty crazy though, right? And do you see a green dot moving around? Uh, I At first I didn't, but then the dot turned green and then the purple ones kind of faded out, but then they came back. Yeah, but then look, there's no green dot. I see that. Pretty crazy, right? Now it's green. That's why that's that is so crazy. The train. Troxler's fading, dude. So that's another just I don't know, like classic fucking um what do you call that? Optical illusions. Yeah, you can call it that. Okay. Uh now there's also um this is known as apophenia. Uh so apophenia. Apophenia, this is a tendency to perceive meaningful connections between unrelated things. Um, so there is like, with all this stuff, you know, Troxler's fading, apophenia, uh, this self-hypnosis, there is a scientific basis that like staring at yourself in a mirror in a dark room is going to cause you to see some weird shit. Absolutely. And I, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to know like many things that we talk about in this podcast. Some of it sounds very outlandish, but who knows? Maybe it could have happened to someone out there. But at the same time, if I was sitting in a dark room, you know, conjuring an evil spirit at age 15 or whatever with my friends, you know, I'd probably, my brain would probably trick me into thinking I saw something that actually wasn't there. Well, exactly. And it's like you're, it's like we said, you're primed with the background story then you're having these weird little mirror hallucinations um, and your brain associates it with that story. Um, so it's like, dude, I saw some fucking weird shit, you know? Um, it is pretty crazy. It's pretty also, it's also pretty interesting and also ingenious. Like whoever fucking made up this ritual, if they were doing this whole thing as like a ruse, that's pretty fucking awesome that they had the foresight to be like, dude, you stare in a mirror long enough, you're going to see some crazy shit. Let me develop this whole legend around this. And, you know, maybe that wasn't just one person that did that. It just kind of happened because have you ever like stared? Have you ever just stared into the mirror? I was doing this today. Why? Uh. <laughs> I'll do this a little, uh, Alright, I'm doing this research and I was just thinking about how fucking weird mirrors are. And first of all, it's a fucking mind fuck. Think about like, you will never be able to look upon your own face with your own eyes. It's always a reflection. You're always seeing a reflection that is, is a momentary delay. You're never going to be able to see your face with your own eyes in real time unless you took your eyeballs out of your head and turned them around. Right? That's yeah. trippy. So that's also that's already a mind fuck to think trippy. about. Then if you stare into a mirror, you can't stare like into your own eyes because your eyes focus on one point. So you can only ever focus on like one eye, you know? Even if you get right up close. You're basically seeing the opposite of 
the reverse of what you actually look like. Exactly. Kind of, sort of. And so all these things are playing in. Then you add these fucking Troxlers fading and all these fucking weird, like, um, disassociative identity effect. Your brain starts making connections. Like, you're primed and ready to see some fucking weird shit. Absolutely. It's, it, I mean, scientifically, this makes a lot of sense. And I've, I've thought about that before the Bloody Mary legend. It's like, oh, you're probably just seeing stuff because you're freaking, you're, you're, you're already freaked out and your brain is just going to see stuff. Bloody Mary, dude, she is with science. So those signs that say like, we believe in science and vaccines, they should also say like, we believe in Bloody Mary. You well, sorry. 100. <laughs> we got to add that on those signs. Uh, now back to the book. So in the book, he has like a, a little conclusion um, and it's like. So the fact that the mirror ritual is based on a real means of altered consciousness, uh, it doesn't mean that what we see is necessarily an image of the future or even of the present, uh, but it does seem to come from deep inside your psyche. The participant's psyche. Yeah. So you do the ritual, whatever you're seeing, whether it be attributed to your mindset from the tale this Troxler's fading or weird optical illusions from staring into a dim mirror, whatever you're seeing is coming from like deep within your psyche. And it's like Freud said, you have these like repressed thoughts in your fucking mind and psyche. Those things might bubble up to whatever you're seeing. And unless carefully prepared or supported, many young people or even adults may indeed find themselves in the role of, of the sorcerer's apprentice when practicing this ritual. Oh, have, hell yeah, dude. Fantasia. Oh yeah. There have, you've awakened something that you cannot easily control something from deep within your own mind. Creepy. Very creepy. Right. That's kind of creepier than bloody Mary. <laughs> well, that is bloody Mary. That's what I'm saying. But it's, but yeah, I guess it's creepier than an old hag, witch. Eh, that still sounds pretty scary. (laughs) Now, some shit that you've just been keeping in the back of your mind coming out to haunt you. So if we go, if if we're thinking about this in terms of the Bloody Mary seance, you know, just like any other of these contemporary or modern myth seance activities, uh, the mirror ritual attracts a certain number of teenagers and young people. Uh, precisely because it's both it's thrilling it's deviant you have this power to call upon dangerous supernatural spirits you know it's like we said kids are going to be kids kids want to do creepy shit kids want to do uh fun fucking thrilling shit you know yeah they want to mess with the paranormal like we used to do we used to ghost hunt yeah now did we actually think that we were ever going to see a ghost Maybe. Or were we just kind of trying to give ourselves a good time, you know, have a good fucking story, get a little scared, have fun. You know, kids are fucking bored. What do they do? I think that's the fun of it. That's the fun of it is not knowing because you're going into it and you're like, oh, well, we might see something. But that's the fun of it is the rush of it's an adrenaline rush. Okay. Yeah, that's absolutely what it is. Kids are kids and they just want to have fun. Yeah. Now. And girls the, just want to have fun. Now, in this book I was reading, he kind of brings this thing back full circle. Now, we talked about increased Mather, the pagan rituals, the Salem witch trials. Um, and it, it, we talked about Harry Potter at the very beginning, right? 
Now, where Harry Potter fits into this. So it's like we said, these rituals develop. They evolve over time. Kids are just being kids. They're wanting to scare each other. They're wanting to have fun. But then you got these like anti-occult religious yahoos that kind of make this whole thing serious, you know? Um, Because he writes in this book a lot about like the these religious like fundamentalist Christian types, they put out this propaganda of like anti they're anti occult crusaders and they hold the belief that children and teenagers are the group at most risk of being seduced into Satanism. Um, Now, one of the pamphlets says, quote, once this imagination is encouraged and young people are induced to dabble in the occult crafts, that they do not have the experience or maturity to master, they can get themselves into serious magical trouble. (laughs) Now, according to a four-tier behavioral model uh, circulated by these anti-occult groups, quote, youths first become ensnared by evil, ensnared by evil by engaging in what seems to be a simple occult game and remain in bondage unless more knowledgeable, knowledgeable adults intervene. Uh, now, where he brings Harry Potter into this, it's like those books came out when we were kids, you know, and J.K. Rowling with her rise to popularity and the popularity of Harry Potter. This brought on like a lot of backlash and criticism from a lot of these Christian groups uh, that they they would say the Harry Potter books uh, they claimed are spiritually dangerous to children because they present the occult in a positive light and encourage young people to dabble in diabolical practices. Uh, Now, David J. Meyer, an ex-occultist turned Pentecostal minister, described the Harry Potter books as, quote, Orientational and instructional manuals of witchcraft woven into the format of entertainment. Untold millions of young people are being taught to think, speak, dress, and act like witches by filling their heads with the contents of these books. So how this all relates to like the Bloody Mary, because some of this stuff is talking about these mirror rituals or, or just any rituals that kids do. It's like... You're a wizard, Harry. They're making these things seem real. They're like no better than the Salem witch trial people who fucking hung these these women for saying they like saw shit you know it's like we like spectral evidence was big and they were like oh i saw him dancing with the devil and they're like it must be a witch we gotta hang them you know like it's fucking insane and then um like have you guys ever seen that instagram it was somebody sent it to me it was like around halloween there was some instagram reel and it was this chick talking about a uh it was like a little toy a children's toy cauldron And she was like, you're bringing witchcraft into your home and you wonder why your kids have anxiety, why you're failing at your job, like all this stuff she attributed to this little kid's toy saying it was like bringing occult witchcraft into the home. It's like, dude, it's a fucking kid's toy. Like these Harry Potter books they're saying are dangerous by making a bunch of like you think the Harry Potter books inspired kids to do ritual magic? Maybe. Okay, so you're on board with these Christian yahoos? No, but I mean, I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate right now. Okay. I'm not saying like I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying that's kind of cool if it did inspire you. Exactly, but it's like I'm like on the opposite side, but I I'm saying they are believing it's real and telling kids not to do it, but at the same time it's like 
hey, maybe you uh, found something cool that you can, that's your hobby now, you know? Yeah, but it's also like... But also like dressing up in a fucking Hogwarts uniform. You're not a fucking certified witch now. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like we said, kids are... (laughs) Like you watch the movies, you're not fucking going to hell because you watch some little kid movie. Yeah, and it's like we said, kids are trying to just have a good time. They're just trying to do something that gets them scared. Like with the Bloody Mary rituals, it's not as if they're fucking summoning Satan and being overtaken by the satanic powers uh, well, don't bring that cauldron into your house, dude. <laughs> yes, you can't. You can't bring any kind of witchcraft into your house, dude. Um, so going off of that, you know. Well, you already got the crystal ball, so hey, that's in your house. I told you, I've been getting into magic, dude. I think we. I think Magic the Gathering. No, dude, magic with a K. <laughs> Ritual magic. J.K. Rowling, dude. Harry Potter inspired me um jk she's just kidding harry potter mixed with a little bit of alistair crowley uh and i i think harold um, crowley lucifer <laughs> uh very misunderstood character from the bible dude he's the light bringer <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> he was also the he was the composer in heaven that's what i'm saying he was dude. like the music dude yeah. And yeah. wasn't he trying to tell God, like, dude, you got too much power? And they, what did God do? He fucking banished him? Ripped his wings off. He was like, I'm going to send you to the earthly realm where you can just, like, attack all my creation. That's insane, dude. Okay, so... He created hell, <laughs> if you yeah. think about it. <laughs> I know. So, basically... That's why all the musicians got to sell their soul to the devil now. Been there, done that. <laughs> Are the behaviors of the youth engaging... <laughs> Are the behaviors of these kids engaging in forms of conjuring, are these just harmless, playful rituals? Or do these reflect traveling legends like the Sorcerer's Apprentice, which may or may not be traceable to actual events? Could these have some basis in enslaving the youth into an occult world, poisoning their minds while Satan laughing spreads his wings? (laughs) All right, Ozzy. Hey, what do we think? Are these rituals just harmless, playful rituals? Or are they, uh, like Rob was saying, they're inspiring kids to do fucking the dark arts, dude. I think it's like kind of in a gray area, if you ask me. Like, I don't think that these legends were like started up in like by some fucking evil sorcerer. Like, (laughs) all these kids are going to get into magic by doing this. But I think that like it opens the door to like other rituals and that kind of stuff which if you're fucking around with the wrong shit could be potentially dangerous but also it's like you have it's like a double-edged sword because you you could definitely like do some shit that you shouldn't but at the same time you could also like it could inspire you to learn some cool shit like tarot reading or like doing good forms of magic you know what i mean Okay, so right hand path. Yeah, so it's like it could it can go either way. Like you could either oh, well, what other rituals? And you find like some weird fucking Aleister Crowley shit, and you summon the Loch Ness monster, or <laughs> you find like some cool like healing thing, and you or you like get into crystals or something like that. You know? Yeah, I I I hear you. I I mean, I don't want to say that magic with a K. <laughs> you know, as Brian, you put put it you put it so eloquently earlier. 
like I wouldn't completely rule out the spiritual realm, you know, like Rob is saying. I think most of it is probably just playful stuff. I don't I think like no offense to the Christian world. I used to be a Christian. I have many Christian friends, have total respect. But in my humble opinion, you know, this kind of stuff um I don't think is that big of a deal, but who knows? Maybe Bloody Mary is actually a real thing. Someone just needs to get that on camera, you know, post it to TikTok. Just, <laughs> dude, yeah. Hey, hey, if, if any listeners out there want to try that, like, just, you know, s- shoot, us a, shoot us a video of you doing that. If you catch Bloody Mary, we'll send you some merch. Yeah, try the ritual. Let's try to get Bloody Mary on film. Um, now, yeah, I mean, dude, I think these are just harmless rituals. Like we saw, they develop from paganism. They do have a scientific basis of, like, you being able to hallucinate by staring in a fucking mirror. So that's where I think the reality of it comes into play. Um, and you look like paganism's older than Christianity. So these Christians are probably just getting fucking pissed that these pagan rituals are cooler than any fucking sort of thing they have, you know, Co- collecting right. eggs in a basket on the day that Jesus rose from the dead. That sounds yeah. pretty fucking bizarre, right? Yeah. I mean, that's really Jesus rising from the grave is, you know, not any more far-fetched than a witch appearing in a mirror. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. And there we and also like Rob was saying with Snow White, the witch in the mirror, this comes into Disney. Disney, possibly Illuminati uh, controlled media source used to uh, influence the masses. So, hey, maybe there is some Illuminati connection there. Um, But as far as the ritual goes, I just think it's a fucking cool little game that uh, kids can play. And, you know, I hope the legends keep keep going. Um, I think some of the background story is pretty fucking interesting uh, with, you know, Mary Worth. Was she a real lady who the fuck knows if you guys uh out there have any you know bloody mary rituals from your own childhood that are different uh let us know because i'm sure this ritual differs uh from town to town uh like we were saying we grew up in the same place billy you're saying uh flush the toilet three times we had to prick our finger with a fucking rose thorn that's two different rituals right there uh so you know let me know what you guys uh did growing up Uh, And there you fucking have it. Bloody Mary. Now, on this one, I want to cite AltaObscuria.com for the article When Dumb Suppers Were a Halloween Love Ritual by Anne Eubank. Lucifer Ascending by Bill Ellis. Um, Like I said, check it out. They also have in there like the origin of the like lucky rabbit's foot, shit like that. Just like folklore ritual type shit. Um, Also want to cite Strange Face in the Mirror Illusion by Giovanni caputo and terryreed.com uh for the article bloody mary worth and mysteriouschicago.com bloody mary and mary worth um now before we sign off on this one guys do we i pulled a mirror ritual this is a new mirror ritual do we want to give the loyal legion their own ritual to try at your own risk. What are we thinking? Would you would you guys like to hear this tale, this ritual, this this uh, myth, this legend, if you will? 
Is this a, a way to summon Bloody Mary? This is not. This is a new. This is a totally new mirror ritual. Very creepy. I sounds good. All right. So this is from uh, Reddit, the intelligentsia of Reddit. Uh, this is from no the, sleep Reddit. Yeah, no sleep subreddit, and this is credited to user Fable Forge. Uh, now the title of this ritual is "Please don't actually try this." Uh, emphasis on that. Yep, emphasis there. Keep that in mind. We're not liable for anyone that tries this ritual. Yes, so here is the ritual. Uh, I'll just read his post. So, what I'm about to share with you today is one of the many relatively safe ways in which you can access, not quite enter, a place I call the shadow side. And its effectiveness depends on how seriously you take me. Your mileage may vary. Refer to title. Now, I won't tell you that you shouldn't be afraid of the shadow side. Chances are you've already seen it and merely think it was just a recurring dream. I will tell you there is no need to be ignorantly afraid of it. There is a difference. Ignorance fuels fear and fear can give the place a lot of juice to run on. You have to be big on preparation if you want to try this. It's like skydiving. If getting it right on your first try is not something you're good at, this is not for you. If you do drugs or alcohol the night of the event, you're going to have a bad time. If you're going through some serious issues in your life and not feeling mentally or spiritually stable, or if you're doing this just to escape, you're going to have a bad time. And if you don't follow my instructions, particularly the multiple backups I'll give you, which are there for a reason, you're going to have a bad time time the name of the game is three kings so the materials you'll need a very large empty quiet room preferably without windows if windows exist you'll need to be able to cover them to ensure total darkness basements usually work well if they're roomy enough a pack of candles you'll only use one if everything goes well and a lighter a bucket of water and a mug a fan Two large mirrors, like the one on your dresser, don't worry, they won't be harmed, or if they are, it'll be the least of your concerns. Three chairs, an alarm clock, an active cell phone, do not forget to charge the battery. A loved one willing to follow the rules and go along with all of this madness, and a small toy or dear object from your childhood. Now the setup. Start setting up around 11 p.m. Place one chair in the center of the room facing north. This is important. Place the other two chairs exactly to the left and right facing your throne. The distance between your throne and that of your queen and fool should be about the length of your arm to each side. Place the two large mirrors on the queen and fool chairs to the left and right of you, facing you and each other. Try your best to have them stand at a 90 degree angle or else you may get more or less than three kings. If you sit on your throne facing straight ahead, north, you should be able to perceive your own reflection in each of the two mirrors without actually having to turn your head or your eyes to do so. If you see your own reflection in the corner of your eye, just barely there, you've done it right. Place the bucket of water and the mug in front of you. 
just barely out of reach. Place the fan behind you and turn it on. Don't set it to maximum power, medium or low is fine. Leave it on. Turn off the lights, leave the door open, and go to your bedroom. Set the candles by the side of the bed next to a lighter, your alarm clock, and your cell phone, leaving it charging. Set your alarm clock for 3.30 a.m. Turn off the lights and sleep while holding the object from your childhood. Get some rest. Now it's time for the ritual. Wake up at 3.30 with your alarm clock. Turn it off, but don't turn on the light. You'll have exactly three minutes to light the candle, grab your cell phone, and make your way to the dark room to sit in your throne. You should be seated by 3.33 a.m. Don't forget your power object. Check for potential red flags. If your cell phone didn't charge for whatever reason, abort the mission. If the alarm clock didn't go off at exactly 3.30 a.m., abort the mission. If you find the dark room door closed, remember you left it open, abort the mission. If the fan is turned off, remember you left it on, abort the mission. Side note, if you have to abort the mission due to any of the above, leave the house with your loved one, go to a hotel or something, there's no need to run, you have time to get everything you need, but leave and after 6am the coast should be clear. If all goes as planned, you can proceed and take your throne. Do not look directly at either of the two mirrors beside you. Do not let the candle go out. The fan is behind you. You must protect the candle with your body, which is standing in between. There's a reason for this, as you'll soon see. Look straight ahead at the darkness, not at the candle, not at the mirrors, straight ahead. Now, careful readers surely noticed that I did not say during setup which chair was queen and which chair was fool. That is your job to find out. And from their point of view, you are either their queen or their fool, hence the name Three Kings. I will not spoil what happens next. Suffice to say, you won't be alone, and if you have questions, you'll get answers, sometimes in the form of new questions, but that's the story of humanity. Just stay put and try not to move. Again, do not look directly at the mirrors or at the candle. Straight ahead. Don't chicken out either. You'll need to wait until 4.34. By 4.34, it's all over. It's okay to tremble a little bit. Just try not to. Not because it affects the ritual or anything. It's just a pussy thing to do while in polite company. Now, the writer wrote that, not me. Uh, Now, did I mention not to let the candle go out? That's what the fan is for. Your body is protecting the candle, but if your body were to be suddenly moved, the fan would blow out the candle. That's backup number one. Your loved one is backup number two. At 4.34, they have to come into the room and call your name. If that won't work, they have to call your cell phone. If that won't work, there's a glass of water and a bucket. They cannot touch you. That is a rookie mistake. Backup number three is your item of power. The toy, locket, whatever object of strength you brought for the ride. It'll show you the way if shit hits the fan. Multiple backups. You have to be like a boy scout if you do these things. 
If you half-ass it, half-ass it all the way so that it won't work. Worst you can do is take it seriously enough for, for it to work and not seriously enough to be prepared for the consequences. If in doubt, refer to the title. Please don't actually try this. So there you have it. Have you guys tried this? Uh, we have not tried it. Rob actually asked me if I wanted to try it uh, right after this. So maybe we'll uh, <laughs> give it a little whirl. Yeah, but there you go. Three kings. Um, hey, don't say we didn't warn you if you guys try it, but uh, go ahead and try it. Let us know if it works. And, don't actually um, try it. <laughs> yeah. And there you have it. I mean, any other thoughts before we get out of here? I'm just curious. Are you going to try it? Uh, it sounds enticing, but it also sounds like a shit ton of preparation. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the dumb supper. The supper. Yeah, this yeah. is this might be more work than the dumb supper. A lot of steps. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> he's like, if you d- don't do anything exactly the way I tell you, you're the. What I'm curious about is like, what do you see? Well, you got to try it, dude. All right, maybe. I'll let you all know. All right, the Korean cowboy himself might saddle up in the throne. We will let you guys know on the next episode if this ritual worked or <laughs> if Billy is no longer with us. We got pulled into this. I can this tell you one thing. <laughs> My girlfriend Ellie is definitely not going to be down with that. So, Oh, dude, you got to get her yeah. to try it. Well, she's, she's got to be. Backup. Yeah, she's your backup, dude. Yeah, but she ain't going to mess with that. She, she don't mess with this stuff. Oh, come on, man. It's just a little playful ritual. Just a little hocus pocus. <laughs> come on now. <laughs> come on. All right. Uh, well, yeah, there you guys have it. Um, Bloody Mary mirror rituals. Um Shadow as always, side. yep shadow side as always uh thank you guys so much for listening um like i said if you guys have any legends or tales from your childhood um involving mirror rituals let us know i'd be interested to hear some from around the globe or just any weird rituals like this doesn't have to be mirror related yeah but you know mirror related we're, we're keeping <laughs> on topic here uh we might do some other ritual episodes in the future but um there you have it guys and on that Loyal Legion, as always, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you guys want to check out podcastfromouterspace.com, uh, learn a little bit more about us, check the link, buy some merch. Uh, the holidays are coming up, so, you know, why don't you grab your loved ones some uh, Podcast from Outer Space gear? Yeah, and thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, please try some of these rituals. And don't blame us if some shit hits the fan, but let <laughs> well, us know what happens regardless. Yes, Loyal Legion, we're putting our faith in you. Um, but yeah, so thanks so much for listening. Um, keep, a, keep a lookout for the next episode. I also wanted to um, uh, let you guys know about a track from uh, my, my musical project I got going on called Survive the Night. Um, we've released one song called Heartbeat that's out on um, Spotify, Apple Music, The Works. And we just released our second single called When You Call. Um, so go, you know, go out there, follow us at it. Um, and yeah, just wanted to kind of plug that. So survive the night when you call, love you guys. Peace out. Oh.